You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Uh, we'll share a couple of things with you and then um, we'll, we'll share the message today. I know you guys are doing through your experience in God Bible studies, right? You doing good with that? Yeah? You having a good time? God challenging you? Yeah. Oh, that's nice, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> that's funny, isn't it? Is God challenging you? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Is he scaring you yet? <laughs> huh? Uh, so that's good. No sense of living a Christian life, you know, kind of bored. You can use your microphone interrupt or interject anytime. Not interrupt. Interject It's the better word. So, um, but uh, we have a couple of photos we'll show you, um, and then uh, we will share the message. I'm so glad for you guys for doing your experience with God Bible studies. If you haven't gotten one yet, go online and get you one. We've already gone through enough of it to where I think we've already decided we're going through it again because it's been so impactful for us personally, our kids. And, um, and I don't know if you all want to do that. We'll, we can talk about it and whatever. But for us personally, I think we're going to go through. I got hung up on one chapter or one week for a couple of weeks. And um, I just kept going back over. There's things in it that God was speaking to me about, so I kept going back over it. So I don't know how that's been with you, but it's like we were saying before, if you go through this study, please don't try to take it as a, a completion project, like you're in school, oh, i got to finish it. That's not the idea. The idea is hearing from God and letting God speak to you through it, so it's okay. So even if you're on spring break, watching somewhere this week on the beach, in a lake, whatever you're doing, you can hear from God. I found that God can speak to you. I like it better when I'm outside. I think He speaks to me more on the outside than I am inside. So, anyway, let me show you a couple of these photos real quick. I know you guys are asking us different things about Scotland. Uh, what is this one? Oh, this is okay. So, funny thing if you're a Marvel fan, uh, you probably noticed the guy in the back of the window back there. Anybody say, Oh, yeah, somebody said, There's Groot. Yeah. So, my kids thought it was so cool. We were in this breakfast cafe and we found Groot. It was just a funny picture. It has nothing to do with like, it's just, I thought it was cute. So, I just showed it to you guys. Uh, here, let's look at this next one here. What do I have next? I don't remember. Oh, Oh, here we go. That's Piper at the Piper's Rest. She saw... Y'all want to see that again? Show that one more time if you can. There you go. She's practicing her Scottish dance. So that was in... uh, Yeah, you like that? Oh, yeah. She did pretty good, right? She might kill me for playing that, but I did it anyway. Um, But she... uh, so that was in Edinburgh, and we tried to learn how to say it. We can't say it because we're Georgia. You know, we're Georgian. How about that? You, you, by the way, let me just say something. If you think I have an accent, you got one too. I can guarantee. If you get over there, you'll find out real quick. You have an accent. But we tried to practice saying Edinburgh. We couldn't get it right. And so we heard someone else saying Edinburgh. That's not right either. But it was close enough, so Piper and I kept saying, it's like Edinburgh. So she's like, Edinburgh, Edinburgh. She was going to the whole city. I'm in Edinburgh. I think people thought we were nuts. But anyway, so this is one of the things we want to share. I'll let Haley share a little bit about this, what you were doing there. Oh, this is where. Okay. Yes. All right. So we, um, fortunately, we were invited um, to help. This is Young Life. Um, in go, how many of you are familiar? Have you heard of Young Life? How many of you? Okay. It's not as many. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We do have it locally. Um, but Young Life in Scotland. And so it's very interesting there. Um, the kids can actually leave school for lunch. Typically, you'll see them walking down the street at lunchtime, headed to a convenience store or somewhere to get their lunch. And so what they decided to do was um, make what we would call grilled sandwiches. They call toasties. And so they decided that they would open up. There's a church office area uh, nearby one of the school's. And they make about 150 toasties, different kinds, and they open it up to these kids. And she told me for the first two weeks, no one showed up. And so she started asking some of her friends and people that were believing with them to pray for 50 kids, you know. And so slowly it started happening. And now um, I believe we made around 150 toasties and a little over 100 kids came in. And they were so excited because girls came. I guess typically girls don't come. It's mostly boys coming to get the toasties. Um, but Imagine girls that. came this week. Um, free lunch, guys, right? <laughs> yeah. So the toasties are free, but they buy their their um, drink and cookie, I yeah, think. Yeah, they buy their, coke, their drink. Their drink yeah. and their cookie. Yeah. So, um, But, yeah, so we made a lot 
of Toasties that day. Um, interesting enough, Ava ended up coming to help because they were actually quite short-handed. And um, you have a picture of Ava on there too. <clears throat> Do you? That's a lot of that's yeah. There yeah, she is. <laughs> she did. She's like, what am I doing? But Ava asked um, our friend Kristen, who was there with Young Life. She's like, so about how many out of these kids? How many are Christians? And she said, none. And I think that that really hit Ava, hit me. Um, so they are feeding these kids just to get to know them every, it's called Toasty Thursday. They feed them every Thursday and they're just getting to know them and they love them. And, um, the goal, of course, is to reach them for Christ. So. Yeah, and I, I sat down. My job was to talk to them. That's all I, they didn't want me making sandwiches. So at least somebody's got to talk to them. So Haley's, believe it or not, she speaks. She's, she can talk to anybody. She's very, uh, very good at communicating and all that, but get around people. She's an introvert, but to say, <laughs> but, but I mean, it's up here it's different. But she's a bit of an introvert, and uh, believe it or not, I I'm not the most extroverted personality. I am up here, and I will be with you. But I'm a hybrid kind of thing. Like I also like just being alone. It's weird. But in that room, it was her, like <laughs> the director. Another, they're all introverts. And so, like, the only extrovert in the room, I think, was me. So Her my husband d- is typically the extrovert. Yeah, he, he wasn't they, there. They love him, but he wasn't there. So, so great. <laughs> big shoes to fill, right? To like, Jody. they love this guy. I don't even know these kids. So I'm around talking to him, asking him questions. And I sat with this group of these four guys that sat down. And finally got to, they were talking to me some, asking them questions about their school and this and that and the other. And uh, one of them's, I think I can say this wouldn't be a problem. But uh, anyway, one of the kids' names was Ezra. One of the kids' names was Gabriel. So I was sitting there thinking, like, well, you don't get those names from, like, right? I mean, who names are get Ezra unless you read, you heard that name from somewhere, right? That's not something you just heard out there. Not Christian. I asked the lady, I said, no, they're not Christians. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's the, here's the thing about it. We'll move on after this. But they were one of the most, they were the most well-respected, mild-mannered, total respect for me. Now, the middle school boys, they's cutting up being goofy like middle school boys do. And I'm not picking. I'm a middle school guy. I was there before, too. I know what it's like. You know, you're just there for the sandwiches, hanging out, picking on each other, whatever. But they weren't being disruptive. They weren't trying to um, be rude. They were super respective. So much so, if you looked at the way they acted, you might think they were Christian. Which scares me a little bit because it tells us that your outside, what you do on the outside doesn't matter. You can have it all together and look really cute and good and clean and that don't make you a Christian. And I'm telling you, if these kids were in your youth group right now, you would assume they were probably Christian because they acted and behaved in a way that you thought, well, they're not a problem. We think because people are in a nation that are unsaved, we think, well, they must be heathen. They're not. What we found over there with these kids is they're not problem kids. So that makes it, you're not going in there dealing with some problem kids. You're dealing with kids that really got nothing wrong, except they're lost. And that, that, that was, it was, it was eye-opening for us. I mean, it was a bit like, how can, because when we came back, let me, this is what hit me. And again, we'll move on off this. I just, we just want to share a few words about this. When we came back, the first week we came back, our kids all got together with our church, Life Church, West Rome, another one, I think, we all converged and just had a midweek worship service. It's spring break, everybody's out of town and all that kind of stuff. So they all got together, had a worship service. We did over at Jason's at Life Church. There was, they said probably about maybe 120 kids, something like that, were there. And I thought, out of those 120 kids, now two kids got saved there, which was awesome. And I thought about how blessed we are. Let me just put on you how blessed you are. To live in a city with an abundance of Christian churches, Christian people. Like as small as it sounds, a Chick-fil-A, that many of them are believers in it, where over there, there was a group that ran the Chick-fil-A out of town. We are so blessed in this city, in this, in this community, to come to church like you're doing right now. We went to a church over there, was maybe 20 people. Maybe 30, including the kids. They had no building, no place to worship. They had to meet in a racquetball room. 
The pastor did everything. He had to play the music on the screen. because they. And we were sitting there thinking, we are so blessed with such an abundance that God has given us in our city. Not count the nation, but our city. Your kids have an environment where they can hear about Jesus and worship with friends. I look at you know, Parker got up here speaking a while ago. I didn't know she was going to share. It just warms my heart. Because I think, you know, we are surrounded by such wonderful uh, people, but a Christian environment. That's just a side note. But when you look at that over there and you think, they don't have a Pastor Stephen. I mean, they do, but they can't, they can't engage with him like we do. It's, it's just a very interesting thing. So I just wanted to share that. that yeah, it, it was hard to believe here we were with 120 kids that none of them are saved. We come back, we worship together with 120 kids that are. And it was just kind of a, I don't know if that sinks in with you or not, but for me, it's a bit, man, how do you reconcile that, you know? So anyway, I just want to share that a little bit. That's part of what we did while we were there. Here's the next uh, picture. I don't know what this is. I can't remember now. Oh, okay. Just go back. Just leave that off for a minute, and uh, we'll catch up on that in a moment. So out of those pictures, um, oh, wait, what's the next one there? I'm sorry. There we go. Okay, yeah, let's show you this. This is really cool. So this is a picture. Oh, man, I don't know if you can see it on that screen. Can you guys see the rainbow? Okay, this is what I thought about while we were there. This is, a, this is on a cliff uh, of a castle, the castle ruins, where Christians kind of hunkered down. That's a Georgia word. You can't use it over there. But you know what I mean by the word hunker, right? Bunker down, kind of like they... Was they Denater? Yeah, Denater. They yeah. were actually imprisoned there. Imprisoned. But, yeah. but there, many of them went back later for different things, but there was... Yeah. Many in prisons, they had, my kids saw the lion's den, right? That they could, it's hard to imagine this, but many of the people who set to follow Christ and remove themselves from the church that was, you know, so off the rails. Here they were over this viewpoint, this castle that's there. And I looked out over there, we snapped this photo because the, if you, it's hard, the picture doesn't do justice, but the rainbow was coming in in multiple layers and uh, I just thought God's promise, you know, about the rainbow that he said, I'll never again destroy the world or the earth in this means, in this method. His covenant promise. And I thought about that nation who right now is 2% Christian, almost an unreached people group again. And I just thought about God's promise. Like, you know, he hadn't forgotten them. That God still wants to reach them and reach that part of the world. But Europe, you know, Ricky, you've been here a number of times. Europe is not... You know, there's a lot of churches, but there's not a lot of Christians. In fact, those, um, the people that were in prison there were called the covenanters because they signed a covenant, meaning that they would follow God's way and not the popular way. And so they were actually called the covenanters that mm-hmm. were in prison there. Many of them died because the, the, um, it was so rough. They weren't getting enough food. It was horrible situation and then they sent them some to i can't remember all but once part some of them were did come to america but only so many survived the actual trip yeah even. so um i just think that's easy when you're talking about the covenant yeah. these were called the covenanters that were literally imprisoned in this awful little area um in this castle literally a dungeon like if you think about a dungeon is, i don't know what else to explain yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was and and now it's a tourist thing, and so you look in there now. That my kids went down to the dungeon part. They went in there and they saw in the thing they had hung a, um, like you know, a Halloween. They have those little skeletons. Well, the guy said, "Hey, go in there and look, you know, and go look a little further. Go a little further." And then in there, you could see a skeleton hanging. It's a tourist thing, you know. People don't think about it, but you know, one of your brothers or sisters probably died there in the Lord. And now it's a tourist thing, you know. You just it's. It's hard to put that in picture and, and imagine that, but in the same way, I don't have a picture of this, but we walked down, I'll show it to you over the next weeks maybe, but the streets of Edinburgh where our kids saw the march of the martyrs, if you will, down the streets of Edinburgh, which is now, they, the word they use is posh. <laughs> if you can think Buckhead maybe, All right, They're walking down. It's a beautiful little townhouses everywhere, but you walk down and there's this big marker where hundreds of Christians were just killed just for their faith in Christ. For like for what you're doing right now, like they literally marched them one by one, and it's it's hard to comprehend because you think this happens in some other place, but um, it didn't. 
And all because, a lot of it was because of religion, really. But nonetheless, <clears throat> that was a photo there of that, overlooking that, that place. But I saw that rainbow, and I just thought about that. that I thought, I want to show. Uh, is that, do I have another one? The other two, the, the other ones we'll do in the message. But do I have any more? I can't remember. I put a few. <laughs> I think that's all right. Okay, good. All right, so we just want to share some of that with you and some of the things that we did there. I, I'll get some more updates on pictures of stuff Victor and I did um, through the work. But we did knock out a, a chunk, and they've had two more crews come in behind us and try to build on what we've done. Uh, hopefully it'll be ready, and if you guys want to go over, maybe in the fall, maybe we could do a trip. I think it'll be ready and could stay and lodge there and go see. I think it would do you some good to see your Christian heritage because most of you, for the most part, you've been influenced through Christianity that came out of that area in America. And um, I think it would be good to see. So anyway, experiencing God, let's look at uh, your your uh, what you've been talking about this week or what you will talk about this week, I guess. And that's the idea of experiencing God through obedience. Now, this word obedience, um, I don't know if I always like it. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, I don't know if any person who'd love to hear God say, hey, do this, and you don't want to do it, and you're just happy about it. Is that my only one? Or y'all are going to be religious this morning with me? Like, am I the only one? Yeah. Yeah. Go make a plate of food and take it to your neighbor that you've never met. I don't want to do that. Oh. But if you don't do it, what are you doing? You're disobeying, right? So it's a wrestle to me with, with some of that kind of thing sometimes. But anyway, here's a question that we... That, that we wanted to kind of throw out first. But what's more important, is it obedience or sacrifice? So what's more important, obedience or sacrifice? I think I'm going to turn this way soon. Oh, I'll get closer to you anyway. <laughs> anyway, there I figure I can see these guys better over here. Um, but what's more important, obedience or sacrifice? And so we want to open up with this idea and the story of Samuel, Samuel and Saul. Samuel being the prophet and Saul being the king that God anointed for Israel, gave him instruction, go into where the, the Amalekites were, go in and destroy every one of them. That sounds harsh, but you would have to understand the pagan culture that it was, it was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. What they were doing to their kids and everything, it was disgusting. It was beyond description. But they were going to do this, and as they went in, Saul began to listen to the people who looked around after they won the battle. They said, hey, man, look. I mean, look, let's kill all the bad sheep. But these over here look pretty good. I mean, that, that little sheep's got a good bad about him. He's fluffy. He's cute. I mean, we should present this one to the Lord. Let's hold this back. Okay, okay. Man, look at that silver and gold. We, I mean, should we really burn it down? I mean, it's gold, Saul. It's 2,000 an ounce right now. Are you kidding me? Why would we... That's, we should save that for the Lord. And so Saul began to listen to people more than God and was convinced that maybe that's the way to go. So when he gets to the point where Samuel hears about this, I'm going to read to you. This is from 1 Samuel 15. And Samuel gets there, and I'm going to start around uh, verse 13. So Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I've carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, well, what is this that I hear then, this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen, which I hear? Saul said they have been brought up from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, wait, and let me tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. And Samuel said, is it not true, though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Then Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord, and I went on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and I have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep, and doesn't it sound like Adam and Eve? Well, I did what, but that woman, so was that woman, he, such a, a man should have been a man. He should have no. been a man, right? That's what I'm thinking. Such a, I mean, anyway, yeah, we would have caught, anyway, come on, man, you you, you don't blame your wife? Like, that's so low. But he did, and this sounds very similar, but the people, you know, them, those folks, they took this and the choices of the things devoted to destruction 
to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. So he's looking at sacrifice as an equivalence to obedience. He thinks because, well, I volunteer at church, that must be the same as me taking a hot plate to my neighbor when God asked me. But I don't. My volunteering at church offsets my not taking the hot plate to my neighbor. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's a, boy, it's a real slippery slope. So he says, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to heed his word than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination. Divination is witchcraft here. Uh, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Insubordination is stubbornness of heart. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he's also rejected you from being king. And then watch this. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words. Because why? I feared the people and I listened to their voice. And so we were talking a little bit about obedience. I don't know what you want to add on this um, as far as in the area of obedience. If you want to add this or on the next part. Um, but I wrote down a couple of thoughts. I think it's easier to give an offering than it is to forgive a friend. Like, writing a check to me is easier than forgiving a friend. That's hurt me. Like when I'm hurt, when, when someone betrays you, like I mean, I'm not talking about they didn't show up at your club, whatever. I'm talking about a true, like not spit spat on the little social media thing, a real true betrayal that hurts you and they're your friend. What's easier? Like how many zeros would it take before it hurt you more than forgiving them? Two zeros? A comma? Like, how many zeros could you put behind that check before you said, you know, it's still easier to write the check than forgive them? To me, I just thought, I think it is. I think it's sometimes easier to volunteer in ministry than to release a grudge. It, it just is. I mean, I've done it before. It's easier to do. And uh, it's easier even than our spouse. What's easier? Buying a gift and saying, here you go. Or looking around and saying, I'm really sorry. You know, are y'all with me, right? It's, obedience isn't always um, the easiest path, I don't think. Yeah. So as we were talking about this together, um, actually, Julia Kate asked the question. She's like, but don't obedience and sacrifice go together? And she's right, absolutely. But the truth is, what he's saying is, you can sacrifice without obedience, and how I would be embarrassed, I think, to tell you all the times I think, but Lord, I'm doing this, and I'm doing this for you, and I'm doing this for you. And it's like, but that's not what I told you to do, you know? And so it's easy to think, to start listing all the things I'm doing for the Lord, you know? But oftentimes we use that as an excuse not to do what he's actually telling us to do. And um, so they do go hand in hand, but you can do, you can sacrifice Without obedience. Mm-hmm. I thought so it was good, yeah. the obedience is, is more important to the Lord. Yeah. It, because in the end, ultimately, um, it comes down to, but I've done this, I've done this, I've done this for you. And you know, there's a scripture that Jesus talked about. You look at it this week in your, in your book. But where the individual said to Jesus, but Lord, we cast out demons in your name. But, you know, but Lord... We, we preached the gospel in your name. We, we did miracles in your name. And he said, for some of those, he's going to look at them and say, I never knew you. Now, how is that possible? This is, the, this is, to me, as far as a person of faith, this is where it gets a little bit real. Because miracles are often viewed as a sign of spiritual significance and importance. A miracle... A sign and a wonder is often viewed as elevated above a normal disciple who just studies their Bible. And can I just tell you, if you work a miracle, first of all, it's not you working it. If a miracle does take place, it's the Holy Spirit and the power of God working through you. Okay, how many hands you lay on somebody? That's not you. It's Jesus moving in your midst. But it is not you and it's not me. If someone gets saved in the midst of our congregation... It's not a pastor or a pastor's wife that did the work. It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit drawing them to himself. But if we look and we elevate a miracle or a sign and a wonder to the place where, well, they must have it. Well, maybe they don't. 
I mean, there are scriptures and verses that many people do signs and wonders, and it'll confuse and, and, and convince people they must be right. So that's why it's so important to make sure we hear his word first, obey his word, and do what he says, more than following signs, wonders, and miracles. Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation looks after signs, wonders, and miracles. That's what they want. But he says, if you, he's the way and the truth and the life. It's him. So I don't know why I said that. I just feel like maybe. Well, I, I was thinking why I, this just came to my, and I tell my kids this all the time. So I'm sorry, children, broken record here. But um, it just reminds me. Where of are they the, at anyway? There. Oh, there's one. This lot's always dim. I can't see I this guy. the other one's working a camera back yeah, there. She's, oh, yeah, there she she's is. waving she's at you. She's working a camera. <laughs> Her choice, not mine. We don't make our, they, that's their choice. Anyway. But at the, at the bottom of the priestly robes, and you've, if you're in my small group, you've probably heard this, but I just, I'm, I love pomegranates, but one of, this is one of the reasons. Um, at the bottom of the priestly robe, there, were, there are bells and pomegranates. And often we look at the bells because it's loud and it's kind of, you know, clangy and it's fun. And those are those miracles and those are wonderful. But without the fruit in the middle, all you hear is this clanging bell, Hmm. you know. But that fruit in the middle is what softens those bells. And you can't have the bells without the pomegranates. And so that's that fruit. And honestly, it's all about Hmm. your relationship with the Lord. The fruit is that relationship with him. It's not about just the bells. You can have tons of bells, um, but it's that fruit in between that really matters. Yeah. And I think over there, one thing we saw, so interesting enough, what do you, what do, you do when there's not as many bells? Because over there, what we saw in Scotland, it, it, there's nothing flashy. Like if you're going to serve Jesus there, you're straight up going to serve Jesus. You're going to be probably made fun of, ridiculed, you might lose a job. You, it's it's hard to imagine for us. I mean, I really, I can't. I still, it's still a little bewilderment to me. But the seriousness of it, when you say yes to Jesus, if you're one of those students in that room, they said basically, you would be ostracized. Like you would be an outcast. Whereas in our group, your kids right now at FCA, anything they can go up to, there'll be hundreds of kids show up at an event we do through anything ministry wise. What a blessing. And anyway. Side note on that. But so, so here's the, the next question. We'll talk through this. Uh, what is the meaning of obedience? So this is going to be in your study this week. What's the meaning of obedience? Is it saying you will do what is commanded? Or is it doing what is commanded? Now, we all know the answer. As a matter of fact, we were talking this morning at the dinner table. And she's like, hey, she, she, we were asking each other the question. And she goes, it's B. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Absolutely right. She's so true, matter of fact. But which is easier? It's easier to talk. I'm going to tell you right now. It's so much easier to talk. And so um, this verse of Scripture in Matthew, you want me to read it or you want to say okay. something? Okay. In Matthew, this is Matthew 21 and uh, verse 28. And this is where Jesus asks this question. He throws a parable out. He says, but what do you think? Um, a man had two sons. He comes to the first and he says, son, go to work today in the vineyard. And his son answers, I will not. <laughs> if you're a parent, have you ever gotten that from one of your kids? Yes. It's a fun conversation. But, but afterward, watch this. Afterwards, he regretted it. He had remorse for his say, what he said. And he went out to the field to work. So the man came to the second son and said the same thing. And this son answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first, just like you said. They're the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, now this is hard to reconcile, I think, too, but this is what I say to you, that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. He was speaking to a bunch of people who knew God or thought they knew God, knew about God. For John the Baptist came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did believe him, and you seeing this did not even feel remorse afterward so as to believe in him. They they had a knowledge of God that was so great, they could not see what God was doing. But the people who were in sin and were considered outcast and were said, you don't belong in here, they believed it because they were accepted and they came to faith. 
because they accepted, you know, what God said. They started out one way, like we all have done, right? Like, I'm going to rebel, I'm going to do my thing. But then you turn to Christ. You give up that and you look back and think, thank you, Lord, for what, I've done, for, for what you've done for me. But those other people, they couldn't even turn because that would be a sign of remorse, repentance. They would not give up what they had in position. So uh, anyway, do you say anything on that? Um, you know, I, I didn't plan on sharing this. Uh-oh. But I was thinking about this. Um, you know, when we went to Scotland, um, I just had in my heart that we were supposed to go to Inverness. Now, if you're familiar with geography. Lord, did she have it in her heart. Let me just tell you all. And this was before I knew that Debbie was going to be there, which was really cool. Yeah, this is Debbie Lamberlin, by the way. She yes. ministers in our church, and Praise she was over us. there. So at the same time, we didn't plan it, but it's kind of interesting. Pretty cool. And she was going to be in Inverness. Well, I, this was before I knew that. And um, I said, I just feel like we we're supposed to go to Inverness. It, if you understand, that's the, the more northern part, and it's colder. And so and it's a long drive and it's a long drive. Did I tell you that on the wrong side of the road, on and the wrong driving? side of the car and I'm yelling the whole time. And so it's really scary, quite frankly. And so um, you admitted that in front of everybody. Yeah, you yelled at I me. don't mind admitting that it was scary. He's a good driver, but it was still scary. And so, um, so anyway, I, I'm like, okay, so we're going to go to Inverness. And so we, 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 we go to Abbey Moore, which is close to Inverness halfway. It's not close. Okay, it's close. Scotland. Here's so Edinburgh. We fly into Edinburgh, Aviemore, Inverness. Okay. Anywho. South Georgia, Valdosta, Atlanta, Rome, Georgia. It's a bit of a haul. I'll tell you, with three kids in the back and four or five, so, six So, anyway. Um, boat out there. I'm just saying something right now. Okay. This is important to me. Okay. So, um, we are, so we're in Aviemore, and he hates the cold, and I'm not a big fan. And so... The whole time we are in Aviemore, it snows like crazy. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I have messed up. Like, I didn't say this to him. I'm just talking, me and the Lord. I'm like, I have messed up. Do we need to turn around? Like, this is... But the kids are loving it. Like, more snow than I've ever seen in my whole life. snow everywhere. Snow everywhere. And they are loving it. I'm like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. But it's not like here, though. Like, you could drive. It's not ice. There's it no, is different, yeah. Yeah, so... Still scary, but it's, it's different. But you could get around anyway, so... Yeah. And so, um, anyway, so we're in Aviemore, and he's like, really? Do we really need to go to Inverness? Like, this is cold. And so I'm like, yes, we have to go. We're going to see Debbie. And, of course, he wants to see Debbie. I love you, Debbie, but I didn't want to drive that he far. He just hates snow, and he hated... He didn't... Anyway. So, um, <laughs> so all of this to say, we get to Inverness... And we're, we're waiting to see Debbie. Like, we're so excited. We're going to see Debbie. And, but the truth of the matter is, what happened was, thankfully, she introduced us to some wonderful friends. And through her and some of these other friends, our two older girls received a miraculous word. I mean, honestly, it was like jaw-dropping. That's and stuff that only the God would know. They, those ladies had no... They didn't know they didn't our know girls. Us. And the things they said, like, we started laughing because it was so spot on. And so, um, anyway, and, then, and, and so coming back already, one of them has already experienced what has been said. Yeah, it's so, already uh, started. And I was, I'm just blown away. And I thought, okay, Lord, if we had turned around... Hmm. Because it seemed ridiculous, quite honestly. I mean, we were just waiting. We like, drove all that way to go to Loch Ness. I wanted to see that monster. It wasn't there. <laughs> that was my drawing card. I thought something. Debbie was our drawing card. But um, anyway, the point is, we could have easily said, this is too hard. Cool. This is too cold. There is a lot of snow. We don't know how to drive in this place. I said, we, he, you, he, me, he knew. I just was... I'd have to take a drum, I mean, and knock myself out, just to be honest Let's with you. Let's just be honest. That's what really happened. So um, I, I couldn't watch it. It was too much. Kids are on iPads. <laughs> she's on Tramamine. I'm driving. That's what's going on. <laughs> That's the honest truth. Truth about it. So anyway, but I just thought about, Lord, just that one thing. It, it yeah. didn't make any sense to me at all. But in the end, the whole trip was worth that one Yep. Yeah, moment. I agree. No, I agree 100%. We're sitting in a room. A Welch. Welsh. That's a Welsh worship leader. 
another Welsh worship leader. He's a professional soccer player, football player there. Got to get it right. Um, leading worship, or worship leaders, here they are. And then Debbie's there, an Irish like uh, minister. I think she's a pastor's wife, but she's from Ireland. Sitting in a room with a Welsh, an Irish, you know, a couple of Americans. And I guess we call ourselves Georgians. We're <laughs> That's different. But anyway, how do you even... You can't make that stuff. My kids walked away knowing God spoke to them. And I was like, yeah, it was worth every drive in the snow for the Lord to speak to my kids. I, it worth everything. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Because when you, God hits your heart like that, and you know it's God, it doesn't matter what you're about. You know that was God. And that will never change. You're, it just does something to you. Well, there's times when I have said no to the Holy Spirit. I have. I'm just being, I don't know if you've ever done this, but there have been times where I've said no. I, maybe not so direct, but ignore, you know, the Holy Spirit to work. But eventually he wears on me enough where I come around and I go, okay, God, if that's what you want, okay. And that's what you're going to learn. You're going to say, I'll adjust. It's all about adjusting. If that's what he wants, somebody's got to give. Someone's got to yield. And I promise you, he won't. He'll never yield. He's the greatest tug-of-war player of all time. He will never lose. You will always lose and wind up in the mud. Better off just get on his side. And I thought about this and what Saul went through and how he said, you know, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. To be stubbornness of heart is idolatry. I think sometimes it would be better just to admit, I'm a little stubborn and repent than to sound willing to do something for God and just refuse. Just admit, you know, I'm stubborn. I'm just saying no right now, but I'm, I'm giving in. I'm repenting and I'm turning to you, Lord, and I will. Then to sound so got it together as a Christian, no, I'm, gonna, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm willing, I'm, and then never do it. it. It would be better. So here's the last thing we want to share, and this is uh, what is the cost of our obedience? What's it going to cost us? <clears throat> And this is the picture I'm going to show you. What does it cost? The cost of obedience is um, this picture of that chair. I'm going to put it on the screen for you guys again. So this, and Haley can explain better. Not, I ask her, can you help me explain this? Because I kind of get out of order sometimes like with things in case you didn't notice. But anyway, this is in a church where we went to. This is one of the, I think, no, it's the only Christian, isn't it? In Edinburgh, the tour guy that does Christian heritage tours. He's the only Christian. Oh, he's, he's the only Christian tour, yes. That, out of the in whole Edinburgh. city, of Ed, so Edinburgh is what eight, five? How big is Edinburgh? It's over a couple of million. It's big, I don't know. A couple million people, probably. The whole country's like five, six million, I think. This city's a big city. It'd be like going to um, Marietta. Right before you get downtown Atlanta, it's probably as big as you know the outer side of Marietta, Kennesaw, all that kind of. But so this is a Christian church, and this church, how um, you explain like how it. The layers and how well this was one of the older churches where the some of the covenanters that we were talking about um, from the years or, of what oh man going back fifteen sixteen hundred yeah yeah um, it's still there it's crazy and just some of the it's really interesting some of the people that have invented things you would know um, came out of this church it's very interesting but what he what the point he was showing us in, is the way they were started wanting to set things up was very different than many of the churches at the time. Um, and so, actually, at one point, the queen visited this church. Queen Elizabeth, one, you know, just passed Visited away. this church. And you see that chair underneath. So the pulpit is above. I wish above. I had my laser. I forgot. Oh, you need your laser. Ah, um, you see the big chair behind the pulpit against the wall? Okay, that's what she's talking Okay, but the pulpit above the chair, right? You'll so see that, that represents the word and where the word was given. But the queen actually had to sit under that. And so it was a representation that even she was under that authority. And there were just all kinds of different um, representations of things like that in this church that he was pointing she, out to us. And she, here's interesting, his viewpoint on her as a believer, he said she chose to do that. She didn't have to. As the queen, she didn't have to sit there. She could have refused to go to that church. That was the, the church said, if you're going to come here, this is your seat. Your seat's not that. That's the word of God's. She chose to sit under. 
And I thought about that with obedience and the cost of obedience sometimes. It looks weak. Like sometimes it looks weak, like you're going to submit to God and it looks weak. Oh man, if I follow God, if I, if I submit to Jesus in this way, if I act like I'm different at work, if I pray for somebody at work, they're going to think I'm a fanatic. But what's the cost of your obedience? It might look like you're weaker, but really, if we submit to God, the Bible says if we submit to the Lord, resist the devil, he'll flee. But if you submit to God, he'll exalt you in due time. Obedience always feels like you're the weaker person. So I always tell my kids, you're not weak when you obey. When you obey authority, that's not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of honor. Like, you know, I've worked with enough police officers now to the point where it doesn't mean they will tell you right now. They will tell you there's some bad apples out there wearing a badge. There are. There's, there's some bad apples in the pulpit. I mean, y'all, it, look, it's been, it's come out. You Google anything you want to. But if I were you, I would just... It's not worth the garbage to listen to. Just pray that you always have leaders that don't get in that mess. But it happens in every field. But when I get pulled over, I have a choice right then to how I act. Am I going to do like those guys that post everything on TV? Or am I going to stop and just, you know what, look, I'm not speeding. I didn't do anything wrong. How am I going to treat the guy or gal that shows up at my window? Who probably, by the way, just dealt with who knows what. It's not strong that says i don't deserve to be pulled over that doesn't make you big it makes you weak to stop and get up under some authority and say what did i do they may be wrong they could be I'm saying they're right all the time and they will tell you that but my job as a believer is to stop and say okay god what is the cost of obedience do i look foolish or weak to my kids when i stop and say to the officer hey what did i do i'm sorry uh, man I apologize next time. I'll watch for the speed limit. Let me just tell you, I'm expecting, I hope I don't get one, but I'm liable to get a ticket from the UK <laughs> coming through. They have cameras everywhere. And my speedometer was flashing, I bet you, 20 different times. You ever had a speed Here it is, the speed limit 70, and all of a sudden it's flashing, you're 85. Ding, 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 ding. Speedometer camera, I'm like, oh. And they don't pull you over. It's like, we'll send you a ticket. There's no telling. Like, I'm just praying to God, help me, Lord. Help me, God, just please, with the technology fail, because I don't know how many times I was speeding over there. I'm glad I was asleep for that. Yeah. But I thought about that, and I think, you know, turning to the Lord, the cost of obedience, I think about some characters in the Bible, and then we'll close up with some thoughts Haley has maybe and um, finish up. With Jonah, what was the cost of obedience there? Eventually, he turned to the Lord and obeyed after swimming around the stomach of a whale. I guess, how long does it take before we give and yield? And even then after that, he was a bit bitter on it, you know, sitting under the broom tree and all that kind of thing. He was a bit upset even then. So God had to convince him to even change his heart after he was obedient to go preach to Nineveh. Um, Peter, yep. I like him. You know, my friend Peter, who's in Texas, I like him too. But I like both of these guys. And uh, by the way, he's promised me barbecue the next time I go see him. So I'm just saying put that on record um, he denied Christ three times in front of people that's pretty serious it took three different conversations from the Lord for him to turn back but he turned back and obeyed God and became the Jesus is the rock but Peter became the if you will one of the most influential and founding apostles of the church he preached like brought it down and he was so embarrassed about what he did but he turned and god used him mightily i think about moses be given a call by god to deliver the people of egypt but not knowing what to do kills a man runs and flees and for all this time spent in midian finally when god speaks as in experiencing god you see the little burning bush thing he turns and then follows god in the way that god wants to do it Following God and obeying God, it doesn't always look like one of these Hallmark movies where it just works out. The guy is working at the ski shop and she sees him and she's supposed to be there doing like marketing. And it's just like, before you know it, it's steak dinner and roses and champagne and fireworks that night just happen to go off while they're on the balcony talking to each other. And it's just a match made. 
perfectly in Hollywood because it's not real. I don't think following God is as simple as just saying yes. I, I just haven't found it to be that way in my own life. I love him and I'll do whatever he asks me to do. But, and it's always a reward and it's always the best thing to do. But I'm not, I don't think it's always as easy as just saying yes. It, there is a cost to obeying. Um, so do you want to add this part here or you want to share your part? Um, so for me, when I think, so today's Palm Sunday. And so as I was thinking about this, um, as someone who typically grew up, I, I typically fall to the side of wanting to please people. Um, and so I, I would love to say that I don't understand Saul, but the truth is I do. Um, because I, I want people to be happy. I want them to be on board. I want everybody to get along, you know. Um, but the truth is I, I think about... Uh, you know, as Palm Sunday is here, and we call this Jesus' triumphant entry. And they're, they're waving these palm branches, and they're putting them down as he's coming through. And, I mean, it's this amazing scene you can picture in your head. But I'm wondering, what is Jesus thinking? Hmm. Because he's coming in, and all of these people are, are expecting one thing. And he knows that God is asking him to do something completely different. They're wanting him to come in and save them from Rome, this temporal, you know, savior. And he's coming to be their eternal savior. But in order to do that, instead of saving them from Rome, he's going to die by Rome. And so I can't imagine as he's coming in thinking, I'm going to disappoint all of these people. And they're not, one of the hardest things that I have to deal with on a regular basis is feeling misunderstood. Is anybody else with me on that? I hate to feel misunderstood. But can you imagine what Jesus was thinking? They don't, Lord, they don't understand what I'm doing. They're waving these branches, expecting one thing. I am going to disappoint them. Maybe not in the long run, but in the short run, they are not going to understand. They're going to think I am defeated. They're going to think, Lord, that you are defeated. Can you imagine what that cost him in that moment? Obedience is costly. But imagine what it would have cost if he hadn't obeyed. None of us would be saved. None of us would be able to say, I know I'm going to heaven. None of us would be brothers and sisters with Christ. It costs way more to disobey than it does to obey. Obedience is costly, but it's way more costly not to obey, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we wanted to wrap up with that as far as what if now you're sitting here, though, and you're thinking, well, like you, I'm just being very honest with you. If, you, if you've done like I have, and you, maybe you haven't obeyed God in something, Maybe God says, hey, I want you to do this. And you're like, eh, I don't think that's you. You know, keep waiting, thinking, whatever. And he won't leave you alone about it. But maybe you didn't follow through with it like you should have. Or maybe it was something there that he put on your heart and you just didn't do it. And it's kind of irking you a little bit. You know, Haley and I were talking this, this scripture in Romans, um, Romans 8, 28. That says, and we quote it a lot. And we talk about it from the standpoint of God's going to work out stuff for you. But. Think about it from this area of obedience, and what if I haven't been obedient to God in something? So he says, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I, I don't, I've never seen a time where an individual comes along that says, you know what? I want to change. I want to turn. I, I'm giving in to God. I've never seen a time where God didn't take that situation and, and work through it. Like, it doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how many times you might have missed God or not done what he said. I'm telling you, he's there. And all it takes is a simple turn to the Lord, and he can take that and begin the process of working some things out. He doesn't allow anything to be wasted. Right. Um, I, I love that because there's so many times we do mess up and we think, oh, now it's over, you know. And, and God never says it's over. Mm-hmm. It's not over. He, he takes even our consequences. 
Sometimes we have to deal with consequences, but he takes those consequences to build our character, to develop us in a way that sometimes we couldn't be developed otherwise. And so he always takes our mistakes, and he doesn't let them, they're not wasted. God is the, he really is the God of Redeemer. He is, when we talk about redeeming, um, he really does. And so I don't know, we just wanted to end on that. If you're here and you're thinking that, well, I didn't do what God asked me to do, or I fell short, or I made a mistake, I just want to encourage you, he's as close as you turning to him right now. That's, that's all it takes. I mean, he just, all he needs you to do is turn to him, and he can begin that process and, and working through you and whatever he's asking to do. So um, please don't let a mistake a shortcoming, something he asked you to do years ago and you didn't do it, and it's just weighing on you. Just bring it before the Lord today. Give it to God and say, because I've done the same thing. I mean, there are things I, man, I should have done, I didn't do. I can't tell you how many times there's people I should have talked to about Jesus and I didn't do it. And it, it does, it weighs on you, man. And so I have to give that to the Lord. So I'm no different than you. I just want to encourage you, if, if that's you, just give it to God this morning. Start today. And let's just start obeying what he says today. Ask that this is the question, yeah, that we wanted to ask as we wrap up today. Is there anything that God is asking you to do right now? And that's the question we want to leave you with this morning. Is there anything that God is asking you to do right now? And it's something that probably he's been, if he's prompting you, been speaking to you, it's kind of there. It's like, uh, I don't know if I want to why me? You know, whatever you're saying back. I don't know what you say back to God. I'm more like, can you just... I mean, it sounds so insensitive and so disrespectful. I'm not. He knows me. I have a relationship with my father. I'm like, please, can I just... Not today. Like, can I... Can you just wait till next week? Can, I mean, am I the only one? Do you do anything like that? Do you plead with God and ask him just to give me one minute? Just Whatever... But you know he's not going to. So whatever that is that he's saying to you, is there anything God asking you to do right now? And we want to adjust and do what God's asking us to do. So this morning as we pray for you, uh, Gary's going to come up. He's going to close out. Do you have anything else you want to say before I pray? Sure? I love having you up here. It's nice. It's always nice. It keeps me on track. It's kind of like me driving while you're on drama mean. I keep you on track. So anyway. So before I pray for you, I just would love you to take that moment, that question. Is there anything that God is asking you to do right now? Can y'all put that on the screen? I'm just going to leave that up there for a minute. Is there anything that God is asking you to do right now? As we pray for you, I would like for you to close your eyes and bow your head and just submit this moment right now, the next two minutes with God as we pray. Man, I don't know what it is. It, it, and I know when we ask these questions, the first thing our flesh wants to say is, well, it's got to be sin. See, you haven't prayed enough, you don't read your Bible enough, you don't, and it's a condemning voice. That's not God. If, it, if God is talking to you about reading your Bible, he's going to say more like, hey, I'd love for you to come and spend time with me in my word. He never says, you don't read your Bible enough. That's condemning and that's not God. He never says, you don't pray enough. That's condemning and that's not God. That's either your flesh or the enemy. If it's God, he's going to say, I would love to commune with you more in prayer. Could you and I talk today? Hey, I'd love to speak with you about that issue from years gone by that you ignore or you don't want to talk to me about, but I'd love to help you with it. God is an uplifting, He's an affirming, He's a strengthening, redeeming voice. He may give direction to us and He may be direct with us. He might, you know, He's not going to avoid the issue with you, but he's not going to be a point his finger at you and, and condemn you. That's not biblical. It may be painful, but it's not. God's not going to condemn you. He's here to elevate you and build you up and strengthen you. So whatever it is right now, we just want to pray for you. So you just take a moment right now with your eyes closed. And if you just do this for me, just your hands, would you just maybe turn them up to the heavens right now? You just sit right where you are. Just turn your palms face up for me right now, just as a... You know, that's, a, that's the universal sign of surrender, no matter where you are in the world. If your hands are up or your hands are outstretched and you're saying to God or anybody, I, I, I give, I yield right now. 
So right where you are, whatever that thing is, imagine it sitting in your hands right now. And I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, here we are with you, this burden sitting before us. Here we are, this thing you're asking us to do is sitting before us. Maybe there's this regret. Maybe there's a challenge in front of us. Maybe there's a business in front of us. You know, we don't, whatever it might be, a relationship that needs to be resolved. Lord, in Jesus' name, right now, we give this to you. And we say, God, whatever you want, our answer is yes. And God, we ask you to help us navigate what it is you have before us. God, if there's business opportunities right now in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd help them. Surround them with people that they need. If it's marriage or family issues, God, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you'd bring healing and restoration. Lord, then help them navigate these next steps with that person. God, if it's a regret from years gone by, something that you put on their heart they didn't do, they should have done, and they know it, but they've been living with it day after day after day, and it's hindering their walk with you. Today, in Jesus' name, I just ask you to help them release it and start anew. Because you are the God that redeems. You're the God that restores and you rebuild things that are broken. So in Jesus' name, I ask you to restore and rebuild and redeem today. God, it's just that we celebrate Palm Sunday and, God, what it represents in you. God, being willing to do what you was, was asked of you, I pray in Jesus' name, give us the strength today. That even when palm branches might be waving around us and people celebrating what we do, in Jesus' name, if we there's something in our hearts we know you're asking us to do, I pray you give us the strength to follow through. We just thank you for today. And if there's anybody here right now that doesn't know you, God, they're not Christian, they're not born again, they've never said yes to you, I'm going to pray for them right now. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray you would draw every person to yourself right now. And while your eyes are closed, no one's looking around, you're watching on broadcast either way. You're here or you're at home, wherever you're at. You say, I don't know Jesus. I've never said yes to Jesus. I have a cultural Christianity it's just a walk. It's, it's just not something I really live out. I just go to church and I'm not saved right now. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance to Jesus Christ. And this whole church is going to pray with you. You won't be by yourself. But right now, if that's you, you say, I need to be saved. Would you pray this prayer with me and pray this out loud with this whole church? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you everything, Lord. I surrender my will and my life to you. In Jesus' name, I make you the Lord of my life. Forgive me and restore me and help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church, would you give him a hand right now? So proud of you. So as Gary comes up, listen, man, if you filled out, or if you prayed that prayer, if you'll just take a moment to fill out for us, connect.cornerstonerome.com if you're watching on broadcast. You can do it digitally in here as well or in the seat back in front of you. But take a moment to fill it out for us. Let us know. We can help you get started walking with God. There's still some small groups you can jump into. The beautiful thing about this experience in God is you don't have to have all the other weeks ahead. You can start right now, and you can come back to those later. It's, that's what I love about it. It's a nice little way to enter into another group. And we have some in the mornings, on Sunday mornings, you know, we can help you with that. Just let us know. Fill out the form. We'll help you get started walking with Christ. I'll turn it over to you, Mr. Gary. Majestic. Amen. How cool a name is that? Majestic. Is that not the best last name in the world? <laughs> it's good to have you back. It's good to have Thanks, you back. Man. Thanks, it's good to have Thanks, man. Uh, just a couple things as we're getting ready to go. Our prayer partners, if you'd come forward today. If this is the very first time you accepted the Lord today, these would be good folks to come up and share that with. If you've got anything else on your heart that you need somebody to agree with in prayer, these folks would be happy to do that with. They're going to be here after service as well. Um, talk to you a little bit about giving. Uh, we talk to you a little bit about this every week, and I was thinking that, you know, what we spend our money on is, is where our heart is. You know, we were at Waffle House yesterday. Our grandson loves Waffle House. So my wife, she makes friends with all, everybody who waits on us. She asked them what they're doing, and this lady was going on vacation next week. And my wife said, I think we should bless her, give her enough money to go out to dinner. And then she says, do you have any money? Um, So she's the one with the big heart, and luckily I had the cash. So um, we just blessed this lady uh, with some money so that she could go out on vacation and have dinner on us. And I was thinking that, you know, where we put our 
money is where our heart is, isn't it? And if you guys want to come alongside what we're doing here at Cornerstone, if you're a regular um, member here and attender here, we'd love for you guys to just contribute financially to us. There's a lot of different ways to do it. You can do it online. You can do that text to give. You can give cash. You can give a check, whatever it is. But we appreciate your generosity um, because there's a lot more things we want to do that we don't have the finances for. Um, so as they come in, we're going to do a lot more. So we just ask you to do that as well. Uh, baptisms, two weeks from today, 16th of April. If you haven't signed up, if you've never been baptized, um, please go ahead and sign up. You can do that online. I want to remind you of that. And also, uh, Catch the Vision is after service today. This is where if you're new here and you want to find out what Cornerstone's about and you want to be part of it, uh, hang around about 10 minutes after service. We'll get started with that as well. So as always, if you want to stand for me, I'm going to send you out with the blessing of the Lord out of Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. I like that because to me that implies that he wasn't looking at me. I always think of God's always watching me all the time. But when that says he's going to turn his face, look square in the eyes and give you his peace. If you need peace this week, just look God straight in the eye. He'll give you that as well. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.